This episode of On the Beat is brought to you by Ingles. Shop online with Ingles curbside pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. Well, hey, everybody, Mike Griffith here. Welcome to tonight's Ingles on the Beat show. A very special guest. We're going to dig right in with Josh Brooks, the third-year athletic director at the University of Georgia. Josh, the third-year athletic director. It seems like just yesterday that Greg McGarity was retiring and and uh, obviously President Moorhead, very confident in you. And, and so far, so good. I guess I would just kind of ask your thoughts on these first two and a half years. There's been a lot going on. Yeah, as my beard is growing back in for the summer, you can see the gray hairs uh, coming in. That's why I've had to shave it a few times just to to not age myself. But no, it's been um, obviously a lot of ups and some downs, but learning and growing. And um, it's just a, you know, living in Athens, working at Georgia is a dream come true. And I'm honored to serve in this role. And hopefully I can serve in this role for many years to come. You know, you would think with all of the changes with with NIL and transfers that you might say to yourself, oh, my gosh, you'd really want to have this experienced guy. But, you know, not really, because it's such a new world, it seems like, for all the athletic directors. It seems like you all and the presidents and the leadership of the schools, you're all kind of figuring this out together. And I guess I would just ask you, you know, just what that's been like. I mean, we don't really know behind the scenes and not necessarily the the, de- the innate details of it. but it would seem like the SEC that there has been a lot of cooperation, a lot of working together. And, and for a young athletic director or a new athletic director, what has that been like for you to be right in the middle of it, leading a program like Georgia? Yeah, I think the phrase uh, building an airplane while it's in the air has been used a few times to describe the NIL and everything that's going on in the world. And yeah, you've got to be extremely adaptable and flexible because um, the, the college athletics is evolving every single day. Thankfully uh, we have, as you know, phenomenal leadership, uh, with President Moorhead, his involvement on several NCAA committees. He's recently served as president of the SEC uh, presidents. Um, and then obviously Commissioner Sankey is just a tremendous leader. And, and I'm honored to be able to work side by side with those men. And then the, the great men and women in the room of the SEC ADs, who I think we work really well together. I think people would be surprised um, how well that group works together. And then we always keep forefront of our decision-making process, what's best for the SEC, because that's ultimately what's best for us. And we've got to stick together as we navigate this world. And I think um, it's been a learning experience, but one that I think I've grown and and, uh, it's been enjoyable uh, through all of it. You know, you mentioned the qualifications of President Moorhead and the committees that he serves on. Certainly Greg Sankey, you know, one of the leaders in collegiate athletics. I don't think anybody would question that. You're awful qualified too. You know, there there'd kind of been a trend where it used to be old coaches as ADs, and then it was marketing guys at ADs. And you know, you had a little football background, and yeah, everybody, like you said, knows that okay, he was a student manager of Nick Saban LSU, da 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 da. Thought about coach, but that background, even though you've been in operations and in athletic administration for several years now, I've got to think that that background has to help you as you deal with a guy like Kirby Smart, who just seems like this no-nonsense, extremely efficient with his time. Like, if he had to stop and explain things to you, I, I just I got a feeling things wouldn't go as smoothly as they have. What is it like working with Kirby? And you guys have probably had to work together a lot on some of these issues that are arising. Yeah, you hit it on the, you hit the nail on the head with it because of my experience coming up through football and football operations um, working, you know, you said like the old ADs used to be coaches, then became ADs. Well, I worked in coaching. I worked in operations. 
And then I worked 10 years in administration. So all of that experience, I think, combined helps me because I can get to the same page a lot quicker with all my, not just Kirby, but all of them, um, because I think I know where they're coming from. Because when you spend time with head coaches, they're focused on, you know, being the best at every single category, whether it's recruiting and finding efficiencies. So when you understand where they're coming from and why something's important and they don't have to explain it to you, I think you can get you can get to the solution a lot quicker as opposed to asking a coach, why does that matter? And I'm not saying other, D, other ADs wouldn't, but for me, um, that experience has been helpful because having spent so many years working in football operations, um, when something comes up, whether it's logistics, travel, wh whatever it may be, I understand completely where they're coming from. So I think that's helped a bunch in this job, uh, especially in the early couple of years. Yeah. I would guess you can even anticipate it almost. Yeah, I, exactly. I think, yeah. Yeah. I can work with Neil and Neil and in football operations or anybody on the staff and say, okay, all right, we're looking two months ahead uh, as it relates to travel. This we can kind of stay ahead of things. And, and look at the end of the day, one of the key things for administration, whether you're with myself dealing with his staff, whether it's nutrition, football ops, strength, all that, you know, one of the things we want to do administratively is eliminate hurdles so the coaching staff can focus on developing student-athletes, being in their lives, recruiting, doing their jobs coaching. So we try – that's that, that's the biggest piece of this for all of us is to help them do their jobs as best as possible. I think that's one of the things that gets forgotten is when you think about administrator is helping coaches coach and do their jobs. Well, you came in through the door saying that, that your job was to give your coaches what they needed to win championships, and that's how they'd be evaluated. And that's that's kind of been the Josh Brooks calling card and and one of the things that you've done. And there's a lot of exciting changes that are about to happen. But before we get into the specifics at Georgia, the scheduling issue just seemed like such a big deal. And then Kirby came in the room and said, guys, this doesn't matter. You, you, you guys are doing way too much on this. You're going to play everybody every two years anyway. Georgia was one of the teams that was listed, one of the five or six programs that, hey, sure, we'll play nine games. And it ended up being eight. There were reasons for that. Obviously, there was, I think, 38 games that the league would have had to, to buy out and perhaps not contract money to do that just economically. Not every school could have handled that. Uh, but sitting here with these eight game schedules, well, what we're looking at in 2024, I guess I would ask your reaction. I know there's a lot of excitement in the Georgia fan base. There's some really exciting road games. And of course you still have some really good rivalry games that are going to be in Sanford stadium. What was your thought on that? Kind of the, the hand you got dealt there in 2024. Yeah. I think the, the, the main, one of the main focus to us early on was protecting the Auburn game. I think that's important. Um, me being here for 13, 14 years at Georgia, I understand how important that is that rivalry, but I don't get too worked up good or bad on schedules because the, the beautiful thing about this new format is, over a four-year period, every team's going to come to Sanford Stadium once, at least once in four years, and we're going to get to go to every stadium over four years. I think that's the biggest thing to focus on and be appreciative of. And, and, and knowing that, the schedules will balance out. So whatever may seem like if it's easy or hard or your home schedule is perceived as stronger or weaker in this year, it, it will always balance out over two- and four-year cycles. So whatever you feel, it's going to, it's going to cycle through and balance out over four years. Um, I think that was the biggest thing to know the variability was the biggest piece. And that's going to give over the long haul, it's going to give a much better home schedule. Um, just that variability of knowing you're going to start seeing Western teams that haven't traditionally been here as much, seeing them more in the rotation is going to make for a better home schedule. Yeah. And that wasn't always the case when it was divisional play, but now we're looking at one, seven or three, maybe ultimately three, three, six to your point. Um, you know, I think that was, that was, that was achieved. 
some exciting news over the weekend, you know, Charlie Condon, maybe the, maybe the best young baseball player in the country, making a decision to stay at Georgia and NIL era that that's something we look at now we have to, you know, this is the reality you have a new coach Wes Johnson obviously is is coaching on display this weekend with LSU's Paul Skeens and the incredible performance that he had seems like coach really arrives with a lot of momentum, Josh, and you've hired a lot, a num- number of coaches, and obviously we'll talk about them uh, later in this this uh, interview. But what did you see in West? Because this is a guy with a lot of talent who's been a lot of places that you know a lot of winning around him yeah. to grant him this opportunity uh, to coach the Georgia baseball program. I think the thing that caught my eye early on, uh, Coach Johnson, was just looking what he had done with pitchers and the development and and the success he's had. At every, you know, whether it was Arkansas, Mississippi State, the Twins, and now LSU, where he was able to take those programs and his impact where they were a year before he got there and where they went to quickly with them being there. That was the initial thing, right? And then the success was the second piece. But then, so that gets, that's like getting your foot in the door, right? That's where you kind of, that first level of, of interest. And then when you start digging on a candidate like that, that's where you talk to other ADs, other coaches, people that played for him. And the comments were just so phenomenal about how great of a person he is. So when you get the coaching expertise and then you find out they're a high quality person, some with integrity, ethics, that's going to do things the right way. Um, I really like the, the focus on analytics and technology, but he's also a little old school as well. And, he, and, and the feedback that I really loved was he, he knows how to push his student athletes to push them to do more, but they still love him. So finding someone who knows how to balance the, the getting more out of them, but they still love them. Like that's always a big piece to me. And it just, the, the, the positive comments across the board, you, you know it when you see it. And, and, and it was, uh, it was just, and then when I met him face to face, just knew he, he's just a phenomenal guy and I'm excited. And, you know, we're going to root for him to, to do well uh, over the course of the next week or so, but excited to get him here. And, and then obviously Charlie uh, Conan, what a great young man. I mean, you can't say enough about him. Obviously everyone's going to rave about him as a, as an athlete, but he's also a phenomenal person with a phenomenal family. And we're proud that he's going to be back uh, at Georgia for another year. I think he's going to be a centerpiece of this team moving forward. Yeah. Huge nucleus. Got to have players like that. Kirby talks about that and how he's built the football program, having players like that is his nucleus. And, you know, hearing you talk about coach Johnson, kind of, kind of hearing a little Tony Baldwin in this, you know, here's a guy who had never been a head coach. And obviously he's off to a really good start with the softball program. Both of these programs are going to be getting a major, major lift in the next two years. And and I know I've talked to you about everybody's talked about it and you're like, folks, we can't do 10 projects at once, but you know, baseball and softball. A facilities team would tell me I'm doing 10 projects at once right now. I mean, if you really look at it, we've got a lot going on right now. You, you do, but but now it's baseball and softball. The planes yeah. are, are coming, I think, 45 million, and which really exceeds the initial plans yeah. uh, by, my goodness, I think 17 million. I don't know where softball's at yet, but can softball's you, can at you, um, 38. Yeah, 38. Okay. Great fundraising. Can, can you share some of the details of the plans? I know we've we've done stories and we've put in some illustrations out. The spring meetings were fantastic, but for those who haven't heard, uh, what are some of the highlights of those plans? So both projects are actually very similar in terms of the first, the, the primary focus for both of them was improving the student athlete amenities first and foremost. And that's, that's everything from where they train to where they spend their time. Because when we talk about facilities, everyone can get caught up into how big is your stadium, but a recruit, a student athlete wants to know where are they going to spend their time 365, their, their locker room, their lounge, their weight room, their batting cages, their pitching lab, 
So that was the primary focus of getting all those to be top tier in the country. And I think with both of these facilities, we're going to be able to do that. And then, you know, we, we've had to be very careful in budget for inflation. And, you know, hopefully when the projects are all said and done, there'll be some money left over that I always like to, you know, use to, to do a couple more fun things, but included in baseball also. Um, so you've got the pitching lab, you've got a new hitting cage, weight room, um, renovating the, the locker room, team meeting space, coaches offices, a new entrance off of Rutherford that will be a standing room only area, adding new seats on the third baseline, um, extending the, 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 the cover on the grandstand that will go all the way over first and third base to where give more shade for our fans, new LED lights that can do the color changing effects, uh, new sound system. And then when it's all said and done, even if it's not in this phase, the next phase, I want to start really thinking in the right field and can you continue to develop that area? I think it's got a lot of potential. And then even talking about left field, what could be done there as well? So a lot going on there. Um, very similar to softball, like we said, the, the player amenities first. So I think being able to at least now have those images that Coach Johnson and Coach Baldwin can recruit to and show student-athletes, say, hey, look, if you sign in this class, you're going to be the first student-athlete to use this facility. So I think that's where the momentum really starts to pick up and you're seeing it in recruiting. And I'm so proud of, of Tony and what he's done, um, you know, getting regionals year one, super regionals year two. It's a true build. He's got the, the vast majority of that team coming back for next year, and he's already added one transfer, probably going to add a couple more. Um, so just excited for him. Another just high character, great person who loves Georgia. Student athletes absolutely love playing for him, um, and I'm, I'm so proud of him. Yeah, they had a pretty tough draw. They ended up having to go down and play the World Series runner-up. I'm still trying to figure out how the second-place team in the SEC was uh, only seated fourth or fifth. I know you were fired up. I like to hear you fired up about that. Yeah, I was. I was a little frustrated with the uh, the seating, but you know, you you got to go play where they send you. But uh, I wasn't. You know, I respect the committee and their work, but um, you know, would have appreciated a better seed. But you know what? You got to got to play play the hand that's dealt. You know, you back your teams up. We don't we don't often hear you say anything out of line or even complain, but that was one you said, you know what, team deserved a little better. I agreed with you on that. You know, we've heard the noise. I guess we heard, oh, gosh, something happened at Stegman Coliseum. And I, I you know, I, look, it's not like the roof caved in, but buildings, things happen. Can I guess if you could share what happened, what where it's at, what's going on with the building? Because I from everything I've heard, everything is on track and to be fine. Yeah. It's going really well, and I'm excited about the, the solution that we have right now. Um, without getting into technicalities where I'm, I'm not an engineering uh, uh, grad, I, I did graduate in kinesiology, so I can explain as best I can. But, but essentially, um, there were, you know, you know, you know, they had those the triangles in the ceiling uh, and where they came together with thermal movement, there could be some rubbing. And now with saw cutting, giving them a little room to move, that's going to fix the, the theoretical rubbing together. And also uh, some patchwork repairs, painting it, and then adding an, uh, a barrier, like a, a mesh material that would provide it in case anything ever does. But the new paint and the new look, it's going to really modernize the venue. And I know people say, why don't we just build a new facility? Well, it's got really good bones, and we've done some good work, and I think we're getting to a really good place. And then what we're doing now, along with what we're planning to do for 24, um, I think it's going to be transformational, what Stegman's going to look like um, 18 months from now. And then look, moving the track team out of Stegman, getting them out of there has been a lot, is allowing us to build a weight room in Stegman that will be for the men's women's basketball programs is going to give us more opportunity for premium spaces. So um, we've got great bones of Stegman. And I, I'm telling you, um, when this, when we open it back up, people are going to be blown away with how much better it looks. 
and then give me 18 months from now when we open up for the 24 fall with what we're talking about with new new lights new sound new video board uh there's there's a ton of potential um, that i think is going to be really exciting Josh, I think you undersell yourself. I mean, this is the AD that applied the Pythagorean theorem to wedge so many bodies into Sanford Stadium that opponents accused Georgia of. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that really was funny because there were people that were convinced that there were spacing wasn't proper. That's that'll go into your book one day. Yeah, that's definitely a chapter. <laughs> Speaking of track. Um, you know, when Kirby Smart showed up at the spring meetings, we knew something had to be going on because Kirby himself said, you know, I haven't been in one of these since I was a student. Of course, Kirby was an academic all-SEC and, and a team captain. So this was the sort of thing he went to as a student, as many as the current students do. But Kirby popped up there. He was in a pretty good mood, Josh. He's, he's going to get a couple more practice fields, but he's also excited because these new track facilities that I know very early stages, but, you know, this could maybe potentially help Kirby recruit some more football players. Some of these guys like to run track. Can you share the tentative plans for the track facility that'll be on millage across from base or from uh, softball and soccer facilities? Yeah, there are so many positives to this new track. You know, it all starts with having a facility that can host USATF and AAU meets during the summer, as well as supporting our student athletes. We, we haven't been able to host true big meet here, SEC championships or another NCAA, not an NCAA championship, but a bigger NCAA meets. So when you think about that alone right there, when you talk about SEC championships, bigger NCAA meets, USATF, AAU, now we get in a town and gown, right? And now we're talking about hotels and we're really helping the city of Athens bringing more people to this here during the summer when it could be a quieter time. So that's, that's first step. Second step is like you mentioned with student athletes, a lot of kids in those age groups, they get, they go into play football, basketball, baseball, whatever they run track at early age. I'm a firm believer in if you can get kids to come to your campus at an early age, then it becomes a reality, a place that they may, Oh, Georgia's a real place. I want to go there. So you don't, it's not just going to help track. It can help num numerous sports because like we said, a lot of those kids do track and we've, I've seen that impact happen. If you think about the growth, think about North Carolina A&T and the growth they've had in track the last five, six years. Well, they've been hosting a lot of youth meets there at their facility over the last 10 years. So th there is an impact on that. So as we want to grow our track program and, and all our other programs, having a facility that can host youth events would be big. And look, even beyond athletics, just students in general that come to campus and say, wow, Georgia is a beautiful place. Maybe I want to go to school here one day. So I, I think the indirect return on this is going to be huge. And then as we move the track, we open up a couple more practice fields, which was, we so desperately need. And then we could eventually even add in some parking, which obviously, you know, uh, we need that as well. So the, the benefits long term are going to be just tremendous. Yeah, I look forward to the media parking lot. Right. Yeah, the, uh, I think for the right donation, the Mike Griffith lot is is, uh, is we, we've already got some renderings we can show you. I'm, I'm sure you do. So the uh, the indoor, but, but in all seriousness, the, the indoor facility, that was one of the things you brought. I mean, the nearest indoor track facility is like Birmingham, right? Yeah. With, you know, I've got, as, as you know, I've got a, a son that's big in a track and I've had to drive to Birmingham and other places. And, and you know, well, I'll be in uh, Morrow High School this week, this weekend for my son's track meet. And and I'll go to Tampa in July and then Oregon for nationals. And I, the last six or seven years, I've traveled all over the country. Um, for my son's track meets, but never, never on the campus of Georgia for one of these meets. So it's a vision for me of what that can do. So I'm excited about, you know, and he's given me a hard time about it as well. So he's been on my, on my case and he's told me, you know, he's a high school grad of 2028. So he's already put it on me that all this better be done 
by 2028 or, you know, he's going to hold me accountable. So there you, there you go. We got a deadline. I like it. Uh, you know, one of the goals that you had coming through the door, John, and it, it, this seemed kind of far-fetched to me to see Georgia back in the top 10 in Learfield Cup when I looked at where things were when you came in, but it, it appears that Georgia's on track for a number eight finish. Uh, maybe the best finish, it's like maybe 17 years. It's certainly the best since 2018. And you were, you were dead. eye confident that you could get this done. What have been some of the keys? Can you share how Georgia has risen up in some of these non-revenue sports to have a finish like this? That's, you know, what, what we all think is probably befitting of a school like Georgia with the resources around you. Yeah. So we've always been a, a school with great success in the spring sports, right? When you talk about tennis, golf, um, track, so many of those, uh, softball, baseball, swimming dive, we've always scored points in the spring sports. The first lift was with volleyball and soccer, with both of those programs making it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. That was a huge lift in points. And obviously football success, um, that got us off to a great start and then it carried through. So when you think about making the move with soccer, bringing Kadani in and where he's taking that program now, where I think he's going to take that program, that's going to be a lift. Um, one of the hidden ones that we haven't had points in, in a while that I think is coming is uh, Patrick Henner, who leads our cross-country program. Those are two sports we haven't had points in a while. As he's growing that program, I think we're a couple of years away from really starting to add points there as well. Uh, I think, you know, obviously there weren't any Learfield points with men's basketball and baseball. Mike's going into year two. Coach John's coming in. We, we see growth there. So it, it's really a, you know, we got 20 bites at the apple because we have 21 programs. Equestrian doesn't count as an NCAA sport. So we don't get Learfield points for that, unfortunately, because that would be a big boost for us. But of the 20 we have, you count your 19 highest. Um, so we only get to drop one score. So we don't have the advantage that uh, a university that has 30 programs has. But with all that said, we have 20. We can count 19. So let's go make let's go find the 19 highest score and we can. And, I, and I'm a firm believer that you've got to say it and you have to visualize. It. I know it sounds corny, but if you don't say it, you don't you don't keep emphasizing it. It's never going to happen. You're never going to win the Learfield Cup accidentally. You got to say it, visualize it and say our goal within the next five years to win the Learfield Cup. And as crazy as it sounds to think about going up against programs like Stanford or Michigan, Ohio State that have more, so be it. We're not going to make excuses. We're going to set the goal and go after it. So, look, that's the goal. That's the vision is to win the whole thing. Um, and I'm not going to stop until we get there. Yeah, no, you're absolutely driven. And I think all your coaches are very aware that that's at the top of the AD's list. So I think all the George. They're starting to get, they, they start to know it now because some of them ask me, they'll say, all right, if we're in this place. How many points are going to get? So it's starting to become a thing now that they're always asking me about. It's, it's a good, it's a good thing for them to understand the priorities. And I, I think in, in all seriousness, everyone is competing for championships. Josh, before I let you go, the stadium's going to look a little different this year. There's a lot going on there. It's part of what? I want to say 60, 80 million. We know that the student athletes were taken care of with the $80 million building. And now there's a, a QP's commitment to football. Can you share what it's going to look like when they come to Sanford stadium this fall? Yeah, you made a great point, Mike. So with football, when Coach Smart got here, there was a, a Greg put a primary focus on the student athlete amenities, right? So it was um, the indoor facility. It was the West end zone for recruiting and game day locker room. Then it was the Butts mirror renovation. So we got, we got the student athletes and football to a great space. Then it was time to dig in at Sanford and say, you know, this South 100 concourse in this area, um, and we need more premium space. We had a lot of problems that we had to address. And I think this project over two phases is going to address a lot of that, right? As we all know, um, widening that South 100 concourse, which you think about it, that South 100 concourse is where our most loyal, long time serving fans have been sitting for 30, 40 years. And they had one of the worst 
game day experiences due to that narrow concourse that made ingress, egress, concessions, restrooms just really difficult. So by widening that concourse, by blowing out all those restrooms, concessions, building new restrooms and concessions at gate six, gate nine, a new entry point from the bridge is going to really just improve that experience. Now, the other thing we're doing is we're encapsulating the bridge and making that part of the stadium on game day. Now, that's going to cause some frustrations for those that want to access the bridge pregame. I get that. They'll have to kind of veer right, go through the bookstore, through Tate Center to get around. But what that's going to do to the game day experience and the enhancements of that are worth that sacrifice pregame because having that gives us more space to sell and, and set up and do things, more room for circulation. Um, it, it, the positives far outweigh the negatives. And then, again, that connection point where you'll be able to enter the stadium um, past the scoreboard on the bridge, right where the gate nine area. And then next year, and then this next offseason, we'll build the new uh, press box, convert the old press box into a much-needed premium space, and uh, th that's going to be a much-needed uh, improvement as well. So a lot going on there. Um, and we're finishing up. Uh, you know, we've got probably six more months of the tennis indoor facility. We've got steel going up there. So we do have a lot going on right at one time. We're talking about baseball, softball, uh, basketball, weight room, Sanford, um, tennis, not to mention a handful of other small projects. So there's a lot going on facilities that, uh, that that's all going on at one time. Yeah, we saw the budget going up. And I guess the, the question everybody fans want to know is, well, well, what happens to ticket prices? You guys are spending all this money to improve all these facilities and these fan experiences at some point. Where does where does that money come from this season? Yeah, it's not going to happen this year. Look, at some point in time, inevitably, ticket prices will have to go up. We're holding firm for another year, um, even with inflation. Um, it's been important for us to appreciate our fan base. And I think, thankfully, we've had so many donors step up and, and, and give to the McGill Society. That's allowed their, – their gifts have allowed us to keep building. We're talking about tennis, baseball, softball, football, whatever it may be, allow us to keep building with these projects and not taking on a ton of new debt which then allows us to hold firm on the ticket prices. So um, it's a, it's a balancing act. And then obviously there's more money that will be going to NIL initiatives as well. So you have to balance all that into play. But I think for us, it was important for another year uh, to hold firm and, and, and really be appreciative of our fans and the support we've received. And that's why when you talk about concession prices or ticket prices, uh, we want, we're always trying to keep those as affordable as possible. Um, and thankfully, like I said, on the other end of that, We've had a lot of donors step up that have, that have given to these projects that allow us to keep these prices that are at a fair level. Third year athletic director, Josh Brooks, high in the opinion polls, keeping the concessions and the ticket prices uh, the same. I try room. to win over the votes as best I can anywhere I get <laughs> the little things. I like it, Josh. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to thank everybody for joining our special presentation on Ingles on the Beat tonight. Uh, before you go, if you take a minute, Watch our Ingles ad. Don't forget, every day, 10 a.m., Dog Nation Daily with Brandon Adams, Wednesday night, Jeff Centel. He likes to talk about all those great recruits that Kirby Smart's bringing in. Have a great week, everybody, and listen to this message from our sponsor, Ingles. Did you know that Ingles sells more organics than any other store? Or that they run their own dairy? Or that they only serve USDA choice and prime meat? Did you know that they have more local craft beer than any place else? Or that they have energy smart stores? Or that they professionally slice and package imported cheese from Europe? Did you know about their giant international aisle, local farm partnerships, curbside pickup, wine department? Or that they donate 3,956 meals a day to local food banks? Well, now you do. It's all in the bag. Ingles, low prices, love the savings.